Good morning. Few things to remind everybody of. One is the knock 'em dead killer free fishing weekend next week, where you can go and catch as many walleye as you want and set them all free again. Uh, but yeah, come. It's a blast. We went last year. And I told the story last week, uh, our youngest son had the magic rod and he was catching them just one after the next after the next. Our other son, not so happy, and our other child, not happy to be there at all because she was stuck in the boat and uh, doesn't enjoy fishing. So come if you enjoy fishing. Even if you don't have a boat, come because I think the biggest fish I saw last week was caught by, or last year, was caught by Rebecca Coglin off the docks. Um, we didn't quite land it, but it was a big walleye. So come. You can register online. You need to figure that out so you, we all get there. It's at Crawling Valley, about a, what an hour and a half, two hours from here. Okay. Stampede breakfast the following day, July 9th. We'll be at 8.30. We'll have a pancake breakfast. And please invite your friends. We're not, like last year, again, we're not publicizing this as much in the community but we are welcoming everybody who comes, and this is a great opportunity. Bring your friends. And the thing that I would like to happen in our service in conjunction with that is that we kind of have a mind and a heart set towards the city of Calgary. We have a whole city that will be mindful of Calgary, of their hometown this week, and it's a good time for us to turn towards that and kind of pray over the city. So we'll link those things, all right? And family camp, you need to register today. It's August 18th to 20th. You can talk to Mark. You can talk to Hope. Uh, get your registrations in and come. Again, it's a blast. Scavenger hunt, hikes of varying durations and strenuity. Um, just ask some of us who went on a hike that was longer than we expected it to be. Uh, also, some are we? is there fishing close by where we'll be this year, Mark? People can fish if you want. Uh, great. Sleeping in tents, sleeping in campers, songs around campfires, it's a good time. So come, uh, bring your kids, bring your whole family, and, and fellowship. Okay. We're starting a new series. Uh, this was not part of my job description when I came, that I would be the guy who starts all of the new series. But two series in a row now, I'm starting. So this one, uh, we just sung the song, I Love to Tell the Story, and Shane, thank you for picking that. It links in with the idea of the stories of Jesus. These are not the stories about Jesus. These are the stories that Jesus told. So this summer, Kelly, uh, Kelly mostly, and me now, are going to be talking about the parables, some of the parables of Jesus. And here's how I want to set this up. When you read the parables of Jesus, um, for example, the Good Samaritan, in whose position do you stand? For example, when I read the Good Samaritan, all growing up, I was the, in the story, which character was I? I was the Good Samaritan, of course. When you read the parables, do you do that? Do you find an, a tendency in yourself to line up with the good guys in the story? If you do, you might be missing the point of the parable. Because what Jesus was doing often with the story was challenging the people who would put themselves in the good position. Uh, for example, with the Good Samaritan, it would have been the priests, the Levites, um, and, the, and the Jew who 
that's the people would have identified with. And then he threw out the Good Samaritan, who nobody in his audience would have said, yeah, I'm like that guy. But we have inherited so that we put ourselves, we stand shoulder to shoulder with the right guy in the story. So I want to challenge you as we listen to these stories over the next few weeks. Try to put yourself in the, in the bad guy's shoes first. And hear it from that perspective and let that challenge you. And then move over to the good guy, maybe. Okay? That by way of setting up. Now, we're going to read. Open in your Bibles uh, to Luke chapter 8. And it's on page 731 in the Pew Bibles, if you want to read along. Luke chapter 8. This is the parable of the the sower. And I'm going to go ahead and read the setup because you need to hear what Jesus is doing and who he's hanging out with and what kinds of activities he's up to before he tells this story. After this, Jesus traveled about from one town and village to another, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. The twelve were there with him, and also some women who had been cured of evil spirits and diseases. Mary, called Magdalene, from, from whom seven demons had come out. Joanna, the wife of Cusa, the manager of Herod's household. Susanna, and many others. These women were helping to support them out of their own means. While a large crowd was gathering, and people were coming to Jesus from town after town, he told this parable. Okay? Now be mindful of whose side you're going to stand on when you hear this, all right? A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell on the path, and it was trampled on, and the birds of the air ate it up. Some fell on rocks, and when it came up, the plants withered because they had no moisture. Others, other seed fell among thorns, which grew up with it and choked the plants. And still other seed fell on good soil. It came up and yielded a crop a hundred times more than, more than was sown. When he said this, he called out, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And then he has this discussion with the disciples about why he says such a mysterious thing. Because they hadn't grown up with the parable of the swords. They were the first time to hear it, right? His disciples asked him what this parable meant, and he said, The knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of God has been given so that you, but to, has been given to you, but to others I speak in parables so that though seeing they may not see, though hearing they may not understand. And he's referring back to Isaiah. And we'll refer back to Isaiah again this morning. This is the meaning of the parable. The seed is the word of God. Those along the path are the ones who hear, and then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts. Those are the birds, right? The devil who comes and takes it away, so that they may not believe and be saved. Those on the rock, on the rocky soil, are the ones who receive the word with joy when they hear it, but they have no root. They believe for a while, but in the time of testing, they fall away. The seed that fell among thorns stands for those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by life's worries, riches, and pleasures, and they do not mature. But the good seed on good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart who hear the word, retain it, and by persevering, produce a crop. I'd like to see a show of hands of how many people are involved with the Friends Speak program here. Some of you, okay. Half a dozen, maybe a dozen in this room. This is a program where we use the book of Luke, that's where we start, and then we continue on to Acts to share uh, a time one-on-one with individuals 
and give space for conversation practice in English. So this is an outreach to non-English or second language English speakers. I was involved with Let's Start Talking, which is the, the kind of the core of the Friends Speak program. That's what took me to Japan the first time. And in our training, as you're working through the book of Luke, this parable was kind of the critical turn that everybody makes. Because until you reach this, you're just hearing stories about Jesus. You're hearing about his miraculous birth. Hard to believe if you've never grown up with that. You're hearing about the various things he did and the beginnings of his teaching, who he was, who people believed he was. And then you get to this point and we ask the question, which soil are you? So which soil are you? Are you the soil that the seed has come and you never even really heard it because before it had a chance to take any root at all, it got snatched away? Probably not, not in this room. You're all here means you've made it past that point. The next two are harder. The rocky soil, right? This is a layer of, of a little bit of topsoil and then just underneath that there's some rock and it's kind of crushed and it's hard and it's hard for the roots to get down into it. The seed comes, the gospel comes, you hear it, you receive it with joy, but the roots don't go down, right? Then the third one is what? Distractions and attractions, right? So this is, this is where I start to get dicey. What are the worries? What is my to-do list? What are the things that I have to get done? Or what are the things on the other side that distract me from that stuff that I like to um, not re recreate? This isn't recreation that's healthy and whole, but that I just want to distract myself from what's good and what's healthy and what's maybe God is using to transform me. Those cares that, that squeeze the life out of us. It may be concerns with work or with family or something that we want. Where are you? Or maybe you're the good soil where you've heard it, you received it, the roots are going deep, and you're, and you're weed-free. The distractions and the attractions aren't choking out the, the life that God is growing within you. Maybe you're in that. Or probably, like me, you're some mix of these. You have a few weeds. You hit a rock every once in a while. The birds are still threatening sometimes those doubts to come and take away the gospel altogether. They're always there. Where do you fall in that? I'm tempted to have you write some things down. But I think I won't. You're tracking with me. So I'll, I'll, I'll leave the pen and paper aside for right now. Um... Here's the thing. When Jesus told this story, I don't think he was being fatalistic. If he thought when he told this story that if you have rocky soil, well, too bad. Gospel's not going to take very much root in you. It's just going to shrivel up and dry when, when hard times come. If you have lots of weeds choking you out, well, nothing I can do about it. Nothing you can do about it. That's just the way it is. There's just a few of you who have good soil and hopefully you, know, you, hear, you get a chance to hear the seed and it takes root. I don't think he told the story with that kind of mind frame. He's not a fatalist. He's telling the story because there's something that 
he's doing about it and something that we can do about it. If you have rocks in your soil, what do you do? I heard somebody say, who said stone picker? Yeah. (laughs) Some of you are from Saskatchewan. Some of you spend a lot of time driving to and from Saskatchewan. My, my dad grew up on a farm in Saskatchewan, and he used to talk about picking stones. And this really kind of weirded my wife out the first time I told her this. Because we're driving across Canada, and you drive by these, these prairie fields, and there's a looks like a cairn, right, beside the field. There's this big pile of rocks. It's like, what is that? Is it some kind of religious symbol? No. That's just the rocks that they pick. And here's the weird part. You don't just pick them once. You pick them. And then, this is the part that kind of grossed my wife out, the frost and the freezing and the thawing and the rain and the heat, the rocks actually float to the surface year after year. So you have to pick the rocks continually, right? I see everybody nodding must be from Saskatchewan. What's Brian? Even in Alberta. Even in Alberta, Alberta, that's right. That's the thing about our lives. You get to good soil... And then rocks still come up and threaten to, to interfere with the roots, right? What about the weeds? We, we bought a house when we moved to Abilene, Texas. And if you've ever lived in Abilene, Texas, I'm sorry. And I'm glad you're here now. Um, beautiful people. Wonderful, wonderful people. If you live out in the country, there's some redeeming things. But it is a hard, hostile environment. 40 degrees in the summer. It's never green. Your options are hot brown or cold brown and dusty. But we bought this house, and there was a giant living green something in the backyard. And what it was was a tree. But, but the tree was completely overcome by something called greenbrier. Or as my friend calls it, it's called wait-a-minute bush. Because it's so covered with thorns that if you get anywhere close to it, you're going to be saying, wait a minute, wait a minute, Bill, I'm hung up. Because it just prickles and covers you up. So we went in there, and it's tough. It's like, imagine a thorn bush tough with no roses. That's what the stuff is like. It grows up, covers the tree. Every, every vine that goes up is about a quarter of an inch, half an inch thick and hard and woody. So you can't just, it will beat the weed whipper. Right? The weed whipper will lose to that. So you go in there with a saw and axes and whatever, and you hack it all out, machete. We hacked it all out, and within days, it comes back. Because what it does is underneath the surface, there are these like almost rock-hard potato-like things that are the basis of it. And it stores all its nutrients and its energy in there, and then it sends out shoots, and it will just surround a plant. And so if you hack it out, immediately it comes back. So you really have to dig in deep to get these weeds out. Some of our weeds, some of our distractions are rooted pretty heavily. And they're not just on the surface. They're hard to see. We need to do some digging to get this out. Okay? Um, birds, same thing. The image that comes to mind isn't about seeds. It's actually uh, we were traveling and we had our front grill covered with dead grasshoppers. We stopped in a national park, and the crows came down and cleaned off our front grill quickly. And they'll do the same to a cornfield, or they'll do the same, and the small birds will do the same if you seed your lawn sometimes. The sparrows will come down, and they'll take away all the seed. And you have to be vigilant in shooing away these birds. You have to be vigilant in receiving the seed. 
So what is the seed? Let's go back a few chapters, okay? Luke chapter 4, just turn back a few pages. 727 in the Pew Bibles. Same gospel, same presentation. And this is Jesus' first sermon in the book of Luke. He's gone, he's been tempted, he's been baptized, he's gone back to his hometown, and this is what he has to say. So think of this, of of how we describe the gospel and how Jesus describes his mission. This is Luke chapter 4. I'm going to start reading at verse 14, page 727. Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and news about him spread through the whole countryside. He taught in the synagogues, and everyone praised him. Then he went to Nazareth, where he'd been brought up. And on the Sabbath day, he went into his synagogue, as was his custom, and he stood up and read. The scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him, and unrolling it, he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor, He has sent me to proclaim freedom for prisoners, recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. That's Jubilee. That's this every 49 years thing that the Jews had where all debts were canceled, the land was allowed to go fallow, everything was reset, everything was become free again. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed, to proclaim the, the, the year of the Lord's favor. These are Jesus' words about what he's going to do. How many of those words are about me by myself? How many of them are about our community? A lot of them. So it strikes me that today... July 2nd, 2017, Canada's 150th year and first day, second day, is a good time to stop and say, how's the soil around us too? On Canada's 150th birthday, if we were to ask, how is the soil in our community? Where are the rocks? Where is the receptive soil? What are the weeds that choke out the good life from our friends and neighbors? What are the birds that steal it away? Sometimes the birds are in this room, right? If I don't, if I'm the one through whom God is scattering the seed and I keep the seed to myself, aren't I participating on the bird's side a little bit? Because I keep the seed from ever getting to that person, right? How many of us and our coworkers are worried about stuff? And the more we read the news, the more worried we get. How many prisoners, how many uh, oppressed, how many enslaved, how many poor do we see around us and among us? There's still a lot of soil to be harvested, I think, in the community around us. So this parable isn't just for you and me as individuals. It's for our community. How's the soil here? Okay, this is more a sermon of asking questions than telling. So those are the things I want us to ponder as we go out. How's this, how are you? Which soil are you? And how's the soil in our community? Um, and then I want to close with this. Another message, parable of Jesus. Who is the sower? 
It's not a trick question. Straightforward question. In this parable, who is the sower? Is it me? No, it's somebody said Jesus. Yeah, Jesus, God, the one who is behind all of this sowing. If you turn over to Mark chapter 4, I don't like jumping around this much, but I think it's worth it. I'm going to leave with this. This is where Mark has the parable of the sower, but look down to verse 26. Jesus also said, This is what the kingdom of God is like. A man scatters seed on the ground night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows, though he does not know how. All by itself, the soil produces grain, first the stalk, then the head, then the full kernel in the head. As soon as the grain is ripe, he puts the sickle to it because the harvest has come. So I started by asking, kind of setting up this whole series, which... in whose footsteps do you stand when you hear a parable? Are you the good guy or not, right? Now I want to let you off the hook a little bit. Because some of you will hear the parable of the sower and go, I'm the good soil. Probably need to read a bit more, look a little deeper in your heart. Some of you will only see the rocks and the weeds and the birds. And to you, I want to say, there's probably a lot of good soil in there too. And to all of us, I want to say, at the end of the day, the one doing the gardening is not us, anyone. The one who brings the growth is the Father. He scatters the seed. We have some work to do in making, to pulling some weeds, picking some rocks, tending some soil, shooing away some birds. But we're like this guy, who we go to sleep and we wake up and it's a mystery. We don't know how God brings the growth. To me, that's a very liberating thought. I, get, I am called to participate in what God is doing, both in my own heart and in the communi- community around me, but I am not called to be God in that situation. It's not my responsibility to fix the community. It's my responsibility to partner in a very small way with the master gardener who is bringing some amazing growth. That's where we are. So, Which soil are you? What's the soil like in our community? And at the end of the day, we participate, but God is the one who brings the growth. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for um, the many things that make yourself, that you have done, to make yourself accessible to us. Um, we look out and we have a sense that there is something greater than ourselves. We have a sense that there is a creator. We look at the intricacy of the world around us and the complexities and also the problems. And we think there must be a God. Uh, and yet we can't see you. And so you send your son so that we can look at this person, Jesus, and we know what your kingdom looks like now. We know what your heart is like. We know what your work is like in your character and you call us to participate and to enter in and to, to, uh, to become like him. And we thank you for that. We also thank you that you are the one who brings the growth. That although you invite us in to your work, it's not dependent on us. That if we didn't lift a hand, if we didn't raise our voice, uh, like Jesus said, the rocks and the, the hills would cry out. The rocks and the trees would cry out in our place. That you have many ways of working. So we thank you. We give you our gratitude. 
for the opportunities that we have to join you and for the ways that you make yourself accessible to us. God, I pray for our congregation that where there are worries that choke out our life, where there are rocks that prevent us from sinking deep roots, uh, where there are birds and trampling feet that threaten to crush the seed or to steal it away, uh, that you protect us from those things. Jesus, we pray all of this in your name. Amen.